0: Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Amr. Today I'm revisiting one of the first stories I've produced on this show. It's still one of my favorites because it's a powerful reminder of what it means to be seen. It's our 2018 story called A Teacher's Aid. And make sure to stay tuned after the break for an update. 44-year-old Jen Carson has an unusually good memory of her childhood, but then again, her childhood was unusual by any standard. It started off in a typical suburb in Phoenix, Arizona. Mom was a teacher. Dad, she says, was a hippie stay-at-home father who occasionally dealt pot. And he was incredibly attentive.
1: He'd brush my hair and feed me breakfast every morning. He'd read to me, take me to the petting zoo. But, you know, there were always signs of problems.
0: Her mother, Lynn Carson, knew something was wrong when her husband, James Carson, began violently threatening anyone who upset him, including her.
1: The first few times he said it, she didn't believe him. The second few times, he said it, and then he got a gun. In
0: 1979, when Jen was five years old, her parents divorced after a decade of marriage. Shortly after, James Carson remarried and changed his name to Michael Bear Carson. And then the problems got worse. Jen's first visit to her father and stepmother's house is etched in her memory.
1: There was no furniture and no lamps. It was dark and there were a 100 potted plants. It looked like the haunted forest in Snow White. I remember actively trying to escape this house.
0: Jen remembers a particularly terrifying moment when her stepmother came into the room and started rubbing her back. She ended up scratching her and leaving five open wounds.
1: She was saying things to me like, um, "I'll scratch this demon out of you." It was, um, it was horrific. You remember when someone tries is threatening to kill you, you know, and, and harms you in this way. So. After that visit, I got home. My mom saw the wounds and she said, you're never going back there.
0: Lynn took her daughter, packed up her small car in the middle of the night and hit the road, spending the next four years moving from city to city. They eventually settled in Orange County, California. She told her young daughter that they needed to be away from her father
1: because he was sick. I was incredibly angry. So on top of my mom having no one that's believing her for five years, on top of that, she has a five-, six-, seven-year-old saying, I hate you, I want my daddy.
0: Jen's life at home was tough. Her mother struggled with depression. Her life at school wasn't much better. She was behind academically and constantly got in trouble.
1: I didn't only feel like I was a bad student, I felt like I was a bad person, that... My very makeup was bad.
0: At eight years old?
1: Yeah. During this period, I had extreme childhood depression. At school, Jen's
0: teacher didn't recognize her depression or cries for help. Instead, she constantly reprimanded her for acting out, once saying Jen was the worst student she'd ever had.
1: That was like just throwing a match on my gasoline, you know, so... My behavior then got worse throughout the rest of the year.
0: She didn't feel safe anywhere. At home, Jen would often see police officers at her door. They'd ask about her father. She didn't know exactly why, because her mother would always send her to her room. Still, she heard bits and pieces and knew it wasn't good. By third grade, Jen was preparing herself for another difficult year.
1: I went into the class and I remember putting my hair in front of my eyes and putting my head down and and just not wanting to interact with the new teacher.
0: But then that teacher, Mrs. Sylvia Case, did something Jen didn't expect.
1: I just remember her on day one, day two, day three, saying, Jenny, I heard you're such a great reader. Why don't you come help me hold the book? That was the beginning of
0: something new. Jen learned to love books. And over the year, she caught up academically. Mrs. Case once brought her barrettes as a prize for good grades on her spelling test. They also kept the hair out of her eyes. She also helped Jen apply for the Girl Scouts and for reduced lunch when she suspected money was tight at home, which it was. But what Jen remembers most of all were Mrs. Case's sincere and
1: specific compliments. A lot of teachers will say, good job. She would say... Your cursive letter M's look like art. And it's something I've tried to do the rest of my life because I think it is one of the kindest things you can do because you're saying to another human, I see you, and I see the goodness in you.
0: Jen really needed to hear that at the time. That year, 1983, her father was arrested for killing at least three people, but police suspect he and his new wife had at least a dozen victims. They included an aspiring actress in her early 20s with whom they shared an apartment. They stabbed her 13 times because they believed she was a witch. Their string of sensational murders earned Jen's father, Michael Bear Carson, and his wife, Suzanne Carson, the nickname the San Francisco Witch Killers. Jen never told Mrs. Case, or any adult for that matter, about any of this. She just remembers going to her class and asking for a hug.
1: When I found out that my father was a monster who killed a bunch of people, my brain started saying, you're worthless, you're a bad girl. I kept going back to, no, Mrs. Case said I'm a good girl. And she built a resilience in me that I believe saved my life.
0: A life that included going to college, getting a master's degree in counseling, and now working in suicide prevention. And for a long time, she's tried to contact Mrs. Case to thank her. But she was never successful. When we heard Jen's story, we also wondered what happened to Mrs. Case. With some research, and luck, we found her. Turns out the two women only live around 50 miles away from each other, so we arranged for them to meet. The 84-year-old great-grandmother, Mrs. Case, now goes by Sylvia Peterson, because she was twice widowed. So we drive over to the Orange County retirement community, where she now lives.
1: We're going to go see her now. This is cool. How are you feeling? I'm
0: just ecstatic.
1: I, I, I'm just over the moon.
0: We pull into the driveway, and a minute later, Mrs. Peterson steps out of her house. Jen gets nervous. You okay? I'm okay. Okay.
1: I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm really feeling really emotional. Oh my gosh.
0: Jen finally makes it out of the car and heads in for a long hug.
2: You're amazing. You smell the same. I just, I just have it emotional.
1: It must be the Good same. Good old jerkin. Jerkins. jerkins. <laughs> I was about to say, she always smells <laughs> like jerkin. Yeah.
0: They step inside, sit on the couch, and waste no time catching up. Jen can't stop smiling. She takes out several things from her bag to show her former teacher. Her Girl Scout badges, pictures from her years at Teach for America, and some of the papers she saved from third grade, many of them decorated with compliments from Sylvia.
1: I picked out your lowercase cursive writing. Because I was struggling so much with cursive. You were finding something that was there was improvement on.
0: Jen tells Sylvia her story about her father's arrest, about how much she and her mother were struggling the year she was in her class. And she thanks her former teacher for helping her get through the worst year of her life. I just
1: want to thank you for giving me that gift of of, um, really knowing... How to connect with people in that way, you know? Yeah. Well,
2: I appreciate (laughs) you coming because I didn't see
1: myself that way. I mean, you know, it's just something you do. You weren't just doing your job, you did it with kindness.
0: Sylvia clearly doesn't see herself as a savior of any sort. She's probably helped many kids like Jen in her lifetime without thinking twice about it.
2: Still, this moment feels special. I felt very, very emotional. Seeing her and hearing her story and just connecting with her after all these years. It's amazing what she went through and how she, what she does now. I, I think I'm proud of her like a daughter or granddaughter. I mean, she feels like a member of my family. After a few hours, we say
0: our final goodbyes. Jen packs up her old pictures and papers. Sylvia tells her to come back and visit. She tells Jen she'll add her name to her visitor list at the front gate. Because, after all, she's family now. After the break, I catch up with Jen and Sylvia to see how they're doing. Stay with us. Welcome back. Before the break, we heard Jen Carson's story and the beautiful reunion she had with her former teacher, Sylvia Case-Peterson. Jen still works as a counselor. She runs a suicide prevention hotline in Southern California. Earlier this year, her father, James Carson, was up for parole. But Jen started a petition opposing
1: his release. I oppose his parole for a couple of reasons. One is that it's believed that he... He killed many more people than we know of. Uh, He was a suspect in 12 cases. But he's never expressed any remorse, any guilt for the lives he's taken. And so I didn't feel it was safe for, for him to be out. When I called Jen to ask how she was
0: doing, I asked her if she still thinks about that extraordinary moment with Sylvia. And
1: she does. She says that moment actually opened the floodgates, so to speak. When I came home, I was flooded with memories and that's something that is not uncommon for someone with PTSD, you know, often the past can't let go of us and it grabs us. But what happened is I had this strange experience where I had good memories about the first 10 years of my life. So I had to face the fact that like, okay, 75% of the time, the beginning was hell and that there were these moments of joy that kept me going. And um, it's been a, a very overwhelming experience.
0: It's very difficult for Jen to revisit her childhood memories, but it's also had some pretty profound outcomes.
1: I actually started reconnecting with relatives that I hadn't talked to in a long time because that relative reminded me of my childhood. Even people who I had a positive association with in childhood, I didn't want to think about my childhood. So it's weird as a middle-aged, mature woman to go, "Okay, I'm going to go back there and see if there was anything valuable that I want to incorporate now.
0: Sylvia, who turned 86 this year, also thinks about
2: the surprise reunion with Jen. Well, this is just a -a once-in-a-lifetime gift that just came that you don't expect. For her, it just
0: reaffirmed that deep passion that she'd always had for teaching.
2: I knew that I cared about all aspects of the child. It was a a type of thing like if you walk in a room and some people, and I'm one, will see that it would be better arranged this way or something's out of sync Well, it was how I was, I think, with children and personalities to find out what was kind of out of sync, how we could help them. It was more of an approach that way. And I felt uh, lucky that I could spot things like that.
0: And one simple piece of advice that she has for teachers today, to just listen, listen to your students. It's more powerful than you think. Thanks for listening to Kind World this week. Our show is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikis and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr, and my co-host is Andrea Aswahe. We'll be back with a new episode of Kind World on Tuesday. It's the last episode of our special July interview series. And this one is all about finding happiness by giving. You don't want to miss it. That's it for today.
2: Have a great weekend.